0: All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our very first episode of Tech Unraveled. My name is Leanna Russell. I'm the sales and marketing manager here at Vistacom.
1: And I'm Josh Herring, the marketing communications specialist with Vistacom. And we are your hosts. Tech Unraveled is a podcast all about unraveling technology in the AV industry, but in a way that's easy to understand, um, and also going beyond the buzzwords and those basic foundations. Um, our goal is to really go deep, um, getting real and dirty by bringing subject matter experts in and thought leaders from a wide variety of sectors within pro AV.
0: I'm excited. I hope you guys are, too. Um, And since this is our first episode, I just wanted to give all of our listeners a quick background on who Vistacom is and what we do. Vistacom is an AV integrator, and we're based in Allentown, Pennsylvania, um, and we've been in business since 1954. Vistacom is a medium-sized business, um, comparatively, across others in our industry. We employ just over 80 people on our staff, and we've been consistently ranked in the SCN top 50 list of AV integrators nationwide. We have an extensive amount of experience designing, installing, and supporting traditional AV systems. And we're also one of the top control room integrators in the country, where we focus on command and control environments and the specialized technology required for operators in mission critical type applications.
1: All right, so now that's out of the way. um, And you know a little bit about who we are. For this episode, we wanted to take you behind the scenes of how AV Grinner, AV integrators truly operate. Um, to do that, we have two very important guests with us today with the combined experience of actually over 60 years with Vistacom. So allow me to introduce to you Angela Nolan, Vistacom CEO and Jim Ferlino, Vistacom's president. Thanks for joining us guys. Thank you. Thank you for
0: Now that we've gotten introductions out of the way, we can let our listeners in on a little fun fact about the four of us. We're actually all related. Uh, Jack Ferlino is our grandfather, and uh, their father, Josh and I, are brother-sister, and funny enough, so are Jim and Angela. Um... And like I said, our grandfather, Mr. Jack Ferlino, the man, the myth, the legend, the one who bestowed all the good looks and intelligence—that <laughs> is right before your eyes and ears—he <laughs> um, was the one who started it all back in 1954. And uh, I was just hoping we could start off with the two of you telling us a little bit about what it was like back in 1954 and how um, how Mr. Ferlino. Started everything, and how the business has skilled up and grown since then.
2: Well, I can uh, give you uh, a little bit of the history of of how things evolved. Um, my father, Jack, was a communications officer in the um, in the service. so he had background in communications, and he started the business um, based around providing different communication solutions to help businesses. You know be better at what they do and uh, obviously in 54 things were a lot different so back then we were very audio focused and provided a lot of solutions with audio in them things that you wouldn't even think of today um giant alert systems for cities for uh air raids um we did a lot of uh, high level audio systems for theaters and paging systems, et cetera. So you know back then it was very audio focused um, and and things evolved from there to kind of where we're at today.
0: Angela, what kind of things did uh, your father ingrain into the company over the years?
3: Well, I think he ingrained um really the foundation of who we are at Vistacom, and I, I think it still permeates the company today. Um he his you know his tagline was always um excellence at the drawing board stage. Um he also was very customer focused, um, making sure that whatever solution we provided was the right solution for that client. Um, And that we we stuck with that client um, all the way through to make sure that we had a um, complete quality uh, installation. And uh, we have some clients today that have been with us um, all the way back to 1954.
1: So um, I know uh, you mentioned it. one of the principles that's still guiding a guiding one for Vistagom today um, is that proof proof of performance, that excellence at the drawing board stage. So, um, Jim, can you explain what that meant at the time and how it's still important and relevant today?
2: Yeah. Um, what it meant at the time and, and actually still means today is that if you don't get it right from the very beginning, from when you design it, it's never going to be right at the end. It's only going to get worse. So it's critical that you invest the time to provide a very well-engineered solution before you start moving it forward and putting it in. Now, what that really meant was that we've always put a lot of um, emphasis on the value of what we provided. And I often heard it said that we may not do that first system or maybe not even the second. But if we do the third system for you, it'll be the last one that you do until you upgrade it. Because it's much more costly to try and fix something that hasn't been put in right than to do it right the first time. And that's really what it means about engineering at the drawing board stage.
0: All right. That's a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. So, Angela, kind of going back into the impact that Jack Ferlino had, what uh, are some of the most important aspects of running this type of business um, as an aV integrator, according to him?
3: well there's there's quite a few important aspects specifically in the aV industry um, when i I look at when I look at the challenges, it has always been in my entire career um, staffing qualified technical uh, personnel, whether it's engineering or integration or service um, or software programming. Finding those people has always been a real challenge. There is no formal higher education program in our industry, even to this day. Um, And we find that Um, qualified people, we need to really grow them internally instead of finding them already educated before they come to Vistacom. Uh, So one of the things that my father, Jack, has always been passionate about is uh, training and mentoring programs here within Vistacom. So we have developed, you know, as far back as, you know, 30, 40 years ago, intensive training and development programs for our technical staff. Um, and it's really a foundation of who we are today to be able to train somebody from the ground up. Um, and it's it's really given us the ability to have people here at Vistacom who have been here for over 30 years and have uh, grown in their, their careers, their career path here at Vistacom. Um, and, you know, it, I think it's really helped to make us a quality organization where we have
0: a family atmosphere. So. That's pretty amazing.
2: Can I, can I
0: yeah, go ahead, Jim?
2: Yeah. Um, if I could just add one thing, um, a, a big challenge in our industry that you don't see in every other industry because we're a small niche market in comparison to something like it is that there are not a lot of established standards and really all we have are what are called best practices and those are essentially left up to the discretion of the individual integrator so it's really incumbent on the integrator to come up with their best practices that are a very good process and that's always been a challenge and something that is not consistent from one integrator to another because it's always going to be up to that individual organization
0: sounds like um Mr. Ferlino had a ton of foresight to understand that focusing on continuous training and development and developing best practices, even back then, is such an important part of this industry. I imagine that Vistacom has gone through an incredible evolution from 1954 to now. I think that means we'll be celebrating our 68th anniversary this year. So congratulations to everyone involved on that. Jim, I think you've been with the company the longest, so maybe you can kick us off on just, you know, quickly describing that evolution of of our company.
2: I'd be happy to do it, but I thought Angela was the oldest, but I'll I'll do it anyway.
0: (laughs) That's a lie. (laughs)
2: Um, So, uh, as I mentioned before, we we started out heavily on the audio side in, in 1954. Um, And there were some key milestones throughout that we hit, but, and I'm just going to just hit a couple brief ones because there's a lot of them in 68 years. But one of those big ones was in the late 60s. I was not around then, but I know the stories. Um, uh, We were one of the few certified all tech contractors in the country. and, And back then that was one of the premier audio lines. And in order to be certified, you need to invest in, um, at that time, about $35,000 of test equipment, which was a lot of money in the late 60s. Um, and my father, being a visionary, he did make that investment. And that was really based around being able to properly equalize sound systems, which back then was a big deal. Today, not so much because everybody knows about it now and everything's more computerized. But that was a milestone because that really um, got us to a much higher level um, and one of the top kind of technical companies in the industry. As we moved forward um, and we moved into the, I'm going to say the late 70s, probably more like the late 80s, early 90s, um, you know, I became very involved with the organization and we really moved heavily into the video, video conferencing world. And so that kind of augmented kind of the products and services we were offering along with the audio solutions. And that really moved us to another level because that provided a a breadth of solutions that many, many organizations were using. Um, and, And as that evolved and technology became more ingrained in use with corporations and other kinds of institutions, Um, It allowed us to grow. We also moved heavily into the control room world and did one of the largest projects at that time for AT&T's Global Network Operations Center, um, which was a huge milestone. Um, And from then on, uh, we have evolved in all of those markets, including providing a, a large variety of managed services, which kind of takes us to where we're at today.
3: And along with that, our physical infrastructure grew, and those were important milestones for Vistacom as well. We started in a row home in downtown Allentown, (laughs) um, across from the prison, which there are some very interesting stories in our past about people looking out the window and seeing prison breaks. Uh (laughs) Um, But once we moved out of that facility (laughs) into a true... (laughs) Um, business facility. We went into an incubator type building in the 80s um, while we were in the process of looking for our permanent home. And once we found our permanent home where we are now in 1992, um, we built a facility that specifically was designed for our flow of business. Um, And that really helped us to grow and become more efficient to help our quality control to be able to bring clients in um, to do factory acceptance tests and see their systems um, as they're being developed, so in, from an infrastructure standpoint, you know that was the evolution and growth of our company, um, and you know we are still in that same building today of almost about thirty thousand square feet facility.
1: I think that really illustrates our growth um, from a, a physical standpoint. Um, so. Uh, now let's, um let's get into um, each of your own evolution within Vistacom personally. Um, so Angela, I don't know if you want to kick us off. Um, can you talk about how your role has personally evolved within Vistacom?
3: Sure. First, I'd like to say I was not here in 1954 <laughs> when the company started. Noted. <laughs> not quite that old yet. Um, actually, I'll uh, tell a quick funny story. My Beginning at VistaCom started with a phone call from Jim wanting to take me out to lunch. I was working somewhere else and I thought, why would my brother want to take me out to lunch? <laughs> and here he gave me a very compelling sales pitch on why I should come to work for um, our family company at that time and, and how uh, I can be a, a part of our uh, growth uh, and, uh, and help, help our family business out. So that's when I joined the the company. At that point, we were only about 12 people. And so my primary role was managing the office and the accounting and finance. Um, And as we grew as a company, my my role changed as well. Um, Through the years, as we grew, it became obvious that we needed a true marketing department. Um, I then helped manage and develop that department. Then. Through the years, um, in the early 2000s, I got into managing operations and helping develop standards and and our quality control and quality assurance procedures within the operations group. Um, and then, uh, fast forward to today, um, I have expanded the role even further. In um, currently, re- uh, the CEO of the company. Um, becoming officially a women-owned business last year.
1: Congratulations!
0: So,
3: um, quite the evolution as our company grew from 10 people to 80 people now. That's yeah,
1: truly really amazing, actually. Um, Leanna, I think uh, as the older sibling, you owe me a lunch. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well.
0: I
3: do have to say I couldn't have done any of that without the awesome staff that yeah. we have that helped me along the yeah, way. of yeah.
1: course. Of course. So, Jim, um, how has your role evolved?
2: So, um, yeah, my role has, has changed uh, quite a bit. I got a chance to experience uh, a bit in just about every department, um, actually starting back in my early teens, um, putting loudspeakers together, installing them in places like shopping centers and such. So um, I, I got a taste of what it, it, it means to go out and do the installation work. Uh, I'm not going to say I was actually really good at it, but I did it. Um, and and when I started with the company, my background was in engineering, but I moved into a sales role. So that was kind of the beginning of of my start. And uh, it, it took a while for me to really uh, latch on to the sales side of it. Once I did, I really enjoyed it. Um, a lot of the mentoring for me was done through my father, you know, spending time with him and seeing how he interacted with people. Um, Early on, um, I was mainly involved on the audio side, but a very important milestone that I think for Vistacom was um, seeing the proliferation of video and video conferencing that started happening in that time period, which was in the early nineties. And, and then um, taking the opportunity to get our company into the video video conferencing world Um, and i remember going to my first infocom which was the first one that anybody went to from our organization and it was just eye-opening to see all of these products there that we didn't actually carry and sell at the time and walking down every single aisle and saying i think we can sell this i think we can sell that i think we can sell any of this and picking up all those lines and essentially you know getting the products on board that we needed to move into that that business, and then kind of evolved into a role where I focused more on the business development side of where we were going strategically as an organization. And I spent um, years at that time as the the CEO, handling the strategic development of things, um, and, and then transitioned into where I'm at now as the the president of the company. Um, And and Angela is now um, the active CEO, um, and she's very involved and has has done a a great job in helping the company grow. So um, that's kind of my evolution of where things went started and are right now. Yeah,
0: thank you for those stories. I think they're very insightful. And I think what's most interesting today to see um, in the office and just the dynamic around the company is how, um, as brother and sister, you guys work so great together. And I don't think that every brother and sister could do that. Thankfully, the four of us are able to do that really well. But um, you know, the balancing of of Angela focusing on the operations side of the business and, and Jim focusing on the sales and business development is a is a really great complement of each other. So it's been fantastic to to witness and see that. So, so moving on to today, and um, I mean, just how things have changed so much, um, especially because you know we're in this post-pandemic world. Um, the pace of the digital transformation across all industries has just been immense. Um, Jim, can you talk about a little bit from a sales standpoint? how we're attacking markets a little differently today than we than we had been and and maybe some of the challenging parts of a, a post pandemic world
2: the pandemic has really accelerated people's understanding of technology and the need for it and how it could actually benefit them so consequently our technology is is now becoming a lot more mainstream and people realize that there's a great need for it The challenge for us is is to get people to understand how we can work with them as a partner um, and how we need to interact with the various people within their organizations to understand their business. Not just their technical people, but their their CFO or their strategic planning people um, or their marketing people. Because we need to understand all of those things so that we can provide them creative communication solutions that are going to help their business. And training our people, specifically our uh, senior account managers and, and, and junior account people, to understand how to interface with those people is a bit of a challenge, but it's critical for us, especially when we're developing our enterprise clients.
0: Very true. Um, and to go along with that, Angela, on the operation side, what's some of the more, the more important aspects of, of operation in today's world?
3: So one of the most important aspects, I think, from a client standpoint and when they're looking at uh, different AV integrators out there is truly understanding um, if they've developed real standards and, and quality control procedures within their organizations so, looking for um, working with an integrator that's you know developed standards within the industry. Um, there's an organization out there called Avixa that's that's really helped to elevate and develop some standards within the industry, as well as AVAQ, who's also um, part of standards development within our industry. Um, VistaCom spent a lot of time in history in developing and and utilizing those tools to develop very specific uh, measurements within our um, teams here for um, commissioning, testing, and, and quality control. One of the things I think that's critical, especially for larger systems, is we've developed a procedure in-house called factory acceptance testing. So once we have um, a client's... Um, system uh, built and tested here within our facility we bring the clients in and let them touch it let them play with it let them uh, test all of the functions specifically the users are going to be hands-on for those clients and it really gives them the opportunity before the system goes in to make sure that it does meet their needs um, that we're on the same page with how they're going to use it and how the how they want it to function Um, And it really helps to make sure that before they get on site and they start really um, impacting um, the client's facility by putting the system in, that it actually does what they need.
0: I would imagine so. Um, One uh, fun question I want to ask the both of you is that if, um, what do you wish, our clients knew or understood better about some of the challenging aspects of what AV integrators go through on a daily basis?
3: Um, well, I guess I'll chime in.
0: <laughs>
3: uh, I'll say one of the things that's challenging is making sure that all of the users uh, from our clients, um, the, the decision makers who are who are working with our sales team to decide what the solution is, um, are on the same page with the users of the system and what they really want. You know, so we've all seen those cartoons through the years of, you know, this is what the client said, this is what the engineers developed, and then this is what, you know, it ended up being, and, and they're always three different things. Um, yeah. So making sure we're all on the same page with what the best solution is for the client. So communication is really what it comes mm-hmm.
1: down to.
0: Right. Jim, how about you?
2: First of all, our business is kind of in a unique niche market. So a lot of people don't really understand the technology, nor do they care to take the time to understand it. Um, But what's important is for them to realize that the end result of what they get is not just based on buying good products, It's based on how they're put together, how they're configured, how they're installed, how the client is trained, and and really all of those things that contribute to the user experience. And um, it's not always obvious to them that all of those ingredients are critical, um, and this is not a commodity kind of product even though sometimes procurement would like to make it that way it just isn't and it and it and i can say it'll never be but i don't think it will be for a long time yeah um so angela
1: i wanted to follow up with you you talked um about some of our quality assurance processes um can you explain a little bit about what um av9000 means um you mentioned that the avaq and i i think it's um I think our listeners might want to know a little bit about what it means that Vistacom is AV9000 compliant.
3: So most uh, industries understand the term ISO 9000, which is a um, uh, quality assurance certification that most manufacturing type companies go through to make sure that their product um, is tested and meets certain um, quali- certifications and, and uh, uh, quality measures. Within our industry, we don't have any type of um, a ISO 9000 official certification. Um, so AV9000 was developed not by Vistacom, um, but externally as a means to try to um, develop those types of standards within the AV industry. And we took about 10 years ago... Uh, we decided that we were really going to to dig deep into um, breaking down all of our departments to the core level and setting some very specific um, measurements, testing checklists, procedures in place for every department all the way through a project life cycle, um, following the basis of those AB nine thousand procedures. It took us about two years to really get to the point where we felt we had developed, um, our procedures and standards to the level where we would submit for certification, which we did. Um, and we received our 89,000 certification. We've since then, you know, taken that and every year we develop and change those based on changes in technology advancements in, in, in other areas of, um, Integration and, and different things like that. So it's an ever-evolving and changing process, um, and it's something that I'm really proud that our operations team is committed to making sure that we maintain that and even advance it moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I,
0: I would imagine that that has something to do with the, the AV term that everyone knows, done-done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know, Jim yes. or Angela, if you want to... <laughs> You know, comment on how it affects that.
2: Uh, I'll let Angel <laughs> answer
3: that. <one. laughs> yeah, it's funny. For years, we thought we were the only ones who used that term here. Um, where you know, when we believe we finished a system, and then our service department come in would come in and go, "No, it's done, but it's not done done," <laughs> which means. <laughs> for those of you that don't understand that it means that there may be a few little things that aren't quite functioning correctly. Um, and when it's done, done, that means everything has been tested and checked and and meets, uh, meets the client standards. And so when we started going down this two year process, that was our mantra. We want to make sure it's done, done the day our team leaves the site. Um, and, uh, today, we we still have that, uh, that internal terminology here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's, it's so important because it, it, all of it, all of the the quality assurance processes, just, it makes sure that there's integrity and functionality for the client's investments, um, which at the end of the day is, you know, one of the most important things that we're doing, um, kind of going off of that, Jim, um, I think related is that aspect of a true partnership with our clients you know we're 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 not just a vendor to them as as an integrator, and I think um, that's really important to highlight so can you talk about that a little bit
2: sure sure a, a vendor to us is just somebody who's going to sell you something that you need at the moment um, or or maybe you know you might need something later on and they'll they'll sell you something again uh, a partner is somebody that is going to dig deeper. That's going to have a much greater understanding and insight into your business. And the reason is that is the best way for us to provide value to the organizations that we work with because, you know, we don't want to just automatically provide you a solution because we did it before and we think this is a situation that's similar we really want to understand your business need and provide you a solution that's going to provide either get additional revenue for you or provide you some more efficient operations that will reduce your costs. Um, otherwise, it's just giving you nice toys and that's really not what it's all about. It's it's about providing you something that's going to help your business. But I think what's even more important is for you to try and recognize what a good integrator might look like as a partner. And, and to do that, don't just listen to what they say on, on a podcast or even on the phone. Go see their facility. Go see their operation. See how they do things. You know, make sure that what they say jives with what you see when you go and see firsthand what they're all about. Um I think that's the best advice I could say I give you a, in terms of trying to find out who might make a good partner for you.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. I'd definitely recommend that as well. Um another uh value that Vistacom recently now brings as a partner is what Angela briefly mentioned earlier, but is actually a very big deal. um, And that is that we've been certified as a woman-owned business. So first of all, congratulations to Vistacom and to Angela for that. Um, Angela, talk to us a little bit about what that means for you and what it means for Vistacom and, and the industry in general.
3: Well, you know, it really was something that I had to kind of dig deep to see if this was something that we wanted to do as a company. Um, And I'm really proud of um, this accomplishment for what it means both um, externally and internally here um, in my commitment, my personal commitment to um, helping to show um, other women, especially younger women, what's possible in our industry. For years, I'll tell you a story that that really was important to me um, to show the importance of showing women's leadership within our industry. Is for for many years I would attend client meetings, business events, um, all types of uh, potential um, business discussions, and I would be in a room with mostly men uh, for years and. The discussion would always end up being where the people on the other end of the table would only be addressing um you know the men that were that were representing Vistacom and really ignoring me in the room and I was really proud that our team members would in some way stop the conversation and say, "You know angela's the decision maker here; you really need to to talk to her about." making the decision that we're discussing here. Um, And so internally the culture has been very supportive um, all the way from Jim all the way down, supporting women and women's growth in a leadership role within our company and within the industry. So we felt it was really important to publicly show that. And so the WBE status was our way of publicly um, showing, not only my support, but all of the people here support for uh, women's growth within our industry.
2: Let me. I can. I want to add something to that if I could. Um, the the obvious, we'll say, side benefit that people think about when you are a women owned organization is that you know you have some advantages on projects where they need women owned participation, and and we'll we'll admit that that's you know hopefully a, a, a nice little benefit. But I do want to state that this is not just a title that we have here that, you know, um, you know, I've been here a long time. And so has Angela, but she's earned what she's got. And, and she really, you know, um, handles that position and, and has earned that position. So regardless of whether we would get any of the benefits from being a women-owned business, I think, um, you know, Angel represents what should be out there as a women-owned business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm so proud to be a a part of an organization that, you know, really embraces that. And I think it truly aligns with a lot of the goals um, and the culture of, you know, our business partners and our clients. Absolutely. So um, we, uh, we talked about this a little bit and we talked about partnerships, but um, I want to talk about the end user experience um, in the AV industry for, for the AV technologies. Um, Jim, what are some of the most notable advancements in tech that Vistacom has adopted and are really transforming how clients function?
2: so there's a there's a number of things happening. Um, there's things happening related to ease of use. There's things happening with technology that provide a better experience in terms of 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 the content that's being viewed. And then there's things happening related to the management of the technology so that it's more reliable. Um so I'll just give an example of each, but there's probably a lot more. Um, from a user experience, from the ease of use, one of the things that we've done that is is critical is Angel mentioned factory acceptance testing. Um, from the very start, we want to bring clients in so they can see how systems operate. so that that gives them that ability to understand how they're going to be used. But in addition to that, you know we provide you know technical support as needed, both during, the process of putting the systems in and afterwards, if they're needed, for any sort of technical training and such, so that they get the most use out of it. Um, so that's kind of one of the areas on the ease of use. Um, in our world, you know, displays are a big part of the industry and Direct View LED is a a large growing trend. So that's really adding to the user experience because it provides the ability to have a very um, high impact impressive display that's very bright and you can scale it and size it to whatever size you want um, and you can do it without creating seams like you would in a traditional video wall so direct view led is one of those you know products i would say right now that is kind of changing the user experience and lastly from a reliability standpoint there are tools out there today that that we are using and others are using to improve reliability and and be able to proactively understand when you might have a problem in a system. So we can remotely monitor the status of things so that we can fix things and have them working before a meeting starts, not during the meeting when you're going to have inefficiencies and downtime. So those are just three of, of many of the things I think that are impacting user experience
1: yeah no that's great. and um the last one you pointed out, I think is you know we're worth talking about a lot and seeing a lot of interest, especially with staffing shortages and and issues like that that are going on um angela um can you um talk about anything that's really important within the control room space, which is a really growing business unit with Vistacom?
3: Sure um answering that same question as it relates to control room technologies um there's Constantly advancements going on there. These are mission critical environments, and what's what's kind of fascinating about the evolution of these environments is that um, these the the control room staff that's monitoring um, whatever mission critical environment they're in. It could be a transportation center. They could be managing utility grids. It could be managing um, a, a government emergency management center. Um, trans. Uh, Trains, traffic, all different things. Right now, what's interesting is there is more and more data available for them to view and make decisions on to the point now where it's so much data that the operators are having a hard time concentrating on the right data. So, our job is to help provide technologies that give them the ability to process and manage and focus on the right data, either on that large overview video wall or um, at the workstation, or potentially in a separate room, what we call you know war rooms or situation rooms, so that they can make better decisions, faster decisions, more informed decisions. And that even goes beyond that control room now, which is which is really awesome. Um, we've We have case studies where we we worked with specifically uh, an emergency management center that deals with wildfires out in California. So they're using the technology to try and make sure that they can make really quick decisions and understand where these wildfires are popping up. Um, So they're using things like social media feeds. They're using things like um, uh, the police and the fire responders being able to get data from them in the field. So now it's transitioning from managing data in the control center to be able to manage and get that data out to the first responders in the field. So really interesting and great stuff to help be able to make really important life-changing uh, decisions uh, quicker and faster.
0: Both of your answers are the exact reason why I just am falling in love with this industry every day because the it's so fascinating to see how the technology changes just so quickly and all the inv- advancements are, are really, really interesting. Um, Transition that to, uh, I guess, one of the biggest changes that we're seeing today, the elephant in the room is the supply chain issues that we're all having to deal with and is extremely affecting, you know, our, our daily operations. Um, so, you know, let, let's address it face on. How, how is it affecting Vistacom and what are you guys doing to, to handle that?
3: So, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't affecting us and our clients. Um, <laughs> clearly, supply chain issues are a real thing. Um, and unfortunately, we don't see them going away for at least another year. Hopefully, they will improve though, over the next year. Um, I will say we've been trying to get really creative with how we're dealing with it. Um, our engineers, for the last two years, really, uh, since you know the early days in the pandemic, have been working on alternative solutions. Um, some things that are now software-based that used to be hardware-based um, gives the ability to, to kind of skip that supply chain issue. Um, so we've been working with clients on presenting alternative solutions to them that are available, that meet the acceptable um, engineering standards that are, are so important for our clients. Um, honestly, I will say... There's that still is only uh, meeting a, a portion of the needs. Um, currently, if you did a tour of our facility, you would see that we have uh, amazed every every office in our building is a warehouse right now. It's a maze. <laughs> um, it's 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 critical. So what's the, the rationale behind that is or the reasoning behind that is we may be able to get about 85 percent of the product we need to complete our client's project but we're waiting for a few items. Um, And unfortunately that means that we have to store all the product here until everything's available. So the good news is that we have 85% of it here. The bad news is that we're still waiting for about 15% of that product to come in. Um, But our clients have been very patient for the most part. We've been doing what we can um, to come up with alternate solutions, Um, but it is a real issue
1: yeah definitely um angel to your point on being creative, I've been personally impressed with our engineers and technical staff who have really been um, actively and proactively and um, very just on the forefront of Finding creative solutions, being educated about the technologies that are out there that could potentially be a substitution, and that was a huge theme at, at Infocom this year. So I'm I'm um, p- impressed with with our technical staff and, and how they're navigating that. So to end on a lighter note, uh, I wanted to uh, ask you um, what are some fun things or interesting things that our listeners might not know about both of you. Um,
2: Jim, do you want to start off? Uh, I'll start. Um, So uh, I played volleyball for many, many years. Some of you know that, some of you don't. But um, most of you probably don't know that I was on Good Morning America once at 6.30 in the morning, so probably very few people saw it. And it was probably only for like a 10-second clip But it was a uh, it was the first ever uh, pro doubles tournament done on a ski slope in snow. Wow. um,
0: Very cool.
2: uh, And they did have one of the premier players at the time, which was um, St. John Smith, um, who was a professional player. Um, I was not, certainly not at that level, but uh, it was kind of. An interesting experience.
0: That is awesome. A very fun fact. (laughs) Angela, spill the tea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will preface
3: it by saying that my fun fact is not nearly as impressive as Jim's. (laughs) And even I did not know that about him. (laughs) And I've literally known him my whole life. (laughs) Um, But I will tell you that my fun fact is um, years ago, um, a member of our team as a joke um, bought me a pink hard hat to go to sites with, thinking that would, it would be embarrassing and something that would be a joke on me. And the joke ended up being on them in that I love my pink hard hat and I
0: wear it proudly whenever I get. Yes, she does.
2: Love it.
1: Yes.
0: And it's even got so the VistaCom on sticker on the side. Yes. That's awesome.
1: Perfect. All right. Well, let's end on that. Um Thank you to everybody who made it to the end for listening and tuning into our first podcast. Um, I thought it was awesome. It was so great to have everybody here and um, talking about Navy uh, integrators in the industry and Vistacom and our background. So um, also, thank you both, Angela and Jim, for being here and um, giving us your your uh, your takes on everything. So I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thanks guys so much. And to all of our listeners, um, we look forward to seeing you next month and we hope you join us again. We're going to be getting real and dirty like Josh said in the beginning and this is only the beginning. So hope to have you back um, and to stay in touch with Vistacom and um, what we're doing, news, more thought leadership and updates on the industry. Make sure to follow us on social at Vistacom Inc. and also at Vistacom Control Room Solutions. You will see hashtag Sammy view on Vistacom Control Room Solutions page. Help us make him go trending. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. All right. So be sure to join us next time to unravel more tech in the pro AV world.
0: And just remember, you can't spell unravel without AV. See you guys next time. <laughs>